So we're going to look at two verses this afternoon on this Good Friday, John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, after we have listened to these different texts on the crucifixion of our Lord, let's just look at what He said here in John chapter 10. So just verses 17 and 18. Lord Jesus said this, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father, the Word of the Lord. I want us to consider just these two verses under three points uh, this afternoon on this Good Friday. The Father's love, the Father's charge, and the Son's prerogative. The Father's love, the Father's charge, and the Son's prerogative. First, the Father's love. There's a curious statement by Jesus, isn't it, here in verse 17, where He says, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down for the sheep, and I take it up again. Is Jesus telling us that the Father's love is somehow caused by Him laying down His life, the crucifixion, His death upon Golgotha as Pastor Kevin just read, is it for this reason? It has a causal force, doesn't it, when you say for? For this reason, the Father loves me. I think we have to begin there as we think about these two verses. What does Jesus mean by that? We must begin here and say that Jesus is not stating that the Father began to love Him with His death upon the cross. That could never be. The Son has forever been the object of the Father's love, just as the Father has been forever the object of the Son's love. It has always been this way. It couldn't be other than this way. If you think back to the Old Testament Scriptures and you take a passage like Proverbs 8 where the Son is personified there in Proverbs 8 as wisdom and We read there in verse 30, I was daily His delight, rejoicing before Him always. It's a son speaking about his relationship with the Father that he is daily His delight. Or you think about the New Testament Scriptures, and you think about even prior to the crucifixion, before Christ Jesus marched up the Mount Calvary, you see the Father speaking about loving the Son. You see it both in those two epochal moments at the waters of baptism of Jesus where He is given the waters of baptism by John the Baptist and you see it on the Mount of Transfiguration. In fact, you hear it. Right? As Jesus goes under the waters of baptism, you hear the Father echoing from the heavens, this is my beloved Son, my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Father loves His Son. 
He loves His Son from eternity past. He loves His Son in His incarnation as He dwells in flesh even before He heads to the cross. Why? Because He has always loved His Son. What we see here is that the Father loves the Son. He treasures His Son and His humanity because He lays down His life. It's not that somehow it began or somehow that it grew. The, the Father's love for the Son never has a beginning and it can't grow in love. No, He loves His Son and that He sees His Son's willingness to lay down His life. He sees His Son's complete and utter devotion to Him as the Father in His laying down His life. It shines in a more brilliant way at the cross than anywhere else. I was thinking about how to illustrate this. Uh, it is a, a poor man's effort to try and figure out how to illustrate this because any illustration is going to fail. But the best I could come up with is trying to do it in a comparative way, though it fails miserably. I was thinking about my own family and watching my mom over these past few years take care of my grandmother who is in her 90s. And my mom is serving her and loving on her. Often when I call my grandmother and I talk with her, I just did this a few days ago to call and talk with her over the phone, she will often say to me in tears over the phone call, she will say, your mother loves me so well and I'm so thankful for her. And why does she say that? She says that because my mom's love is on display for my grandmother. As she runs to get her medications and she keeps track of all the doctor appointments and as she answers the phone calls early in the morning and late at night and as she runs errands for her and as she sits and talks with her each day. Did my grandmother's love grow in seeing my mom's love for her on display in this way? I don't think so. She's always loved her as her daughter. Didn't somehow grow in intensity. It's just she sees her own daughter serving her and pouring out her life for her and sees that love on display, and it's, it's celebrated in the love that my grandmother then demonstrates upon my mother. The father loves the son because he lays his life down for the sheep. It's celebrated in that. It's not only true for the Father, it's obviously true for us as His sheep as well. We love the Son because He lays down His life for the sheep. If we were to go back to John chapter, uh, the, the, the 11th verse in the same chapter, we would read Jesus saying this, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. 
This is what distinguishes him as good, is that he lays his life down for the sheep. He does a comparison, a contrast with the hired helper who he says, when the wolves come, he does not lay his life down for the sheep. But because he is the good shepherd, he actually lays down his life for the sheep. And the sheep rejoice at this. Revelation 5, we observe the scene in heaven where a new song erupts. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. It elicits praise from the sheep. John will go on to say that Around heaven he hears a myriad of voices singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We love even as the Father loves because the Son lays down His life for the sheep. There's an indescribable beauty here. that can't be surpassed in the cross. Second, notice that this, though, is the Father's charge. The Son laying down His life for the sheep exemplifies His love for the Father because the Father has given Him this charge to lay down His life for the sheep. Verse 18, this charge I have received from my Father. We could ask on this day especially, why does the Son go to the cross? And the answer is because it is the will of the Father. Because the Father willed it, the Son obeys it. And He goes to the cross. The Son seeks to be obedient always to the Father in His incarnation. So he willingly goes to the cross for the sake of the Father. Paul writes in Philippians 2, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. This was ordained. This was planned. And the Son in obedience carries forth the Father's plan in his incarnation. And notice, this is before Holy Week in the text in John 10. When was this ordained and planned for the Son to die upon the cross? The answer is not in the Garden of Gethsemane, not in the court of the chief priests, not in the chambers of Pilate, but rather in the heavens before the foundation of the earth. This was agreed upon in eternity past. Planned in eternity past. So we read in Revelation 13 of the elect whose names were written before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. Names written there in this book. This life who, this Lamb who would be slain before the foundations of the earth. The Son was not surprised by the crucifixion. It is not as though the events we celebrate this week simply came upon Him. It is not as some suggested that Christ came into the world 
with the mere possibility that he might die upon the cross. Some have said that, well, if the Jews had received him when he marched into Jerusalem, then there would have been no need for the cross. No. He came into the world for the cross. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And the only possibility of saving the lost was by marching up Mount Calvary. Father sends the Son into the world to die. To die for fallen sinners. Notice it's not the will of the sinners that sends the Son into the world. It's not the cry of sinners that sends the Son into the world. It's not the desire of the sinners that sends the Son into the world. The initiative is never on our side. Salvation is wholly the work of God. It's the will of the Father. He decrees it, He desires it, and He secures it. Why? Why would the Father give the Son this duty, this charge? We may think, well, there are a lot of answers to that question. There are different things that we could come up with. But when you come to the New Testament, it returns over and over to the same reason. Maybe best expounded from that most famous of verses, and it's the most famous of verses because it most clearly articulates it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why is the Son given this charge? Because of love, because of the love of the Father. The love of the Father for sinners. It's a shocking love. Sinners. There's nothing lovely in the sinner. The Son is lovely, so it makes sense that the Father loves the Son. The Father is lovely, so it makes sense that the Son loves the Father. But there is nothing lovely in the sinner. There's just wickedness. There's just evil. There's just corruption. There's just a diseased heart. There's just blackness. There's just death. We're all sinners, all stained with the sin of Adam. We're all cosmic rebels. We're all haters of God. And yet, God loved us. The sinner. There's no love like this because it's tinged and it's tinctured with mercy. There's no love like this. This is a love that's unwarranted. It's a love that's unconditional. And we must say it's a love that is unlikely. And yet it's the very love that moves the Father to charge the Son to come into the world to die for sinners. And he does that upon the cross. One old saint wonderfully said about these verses, he said, never did God love Christ so much as when he was heaping wrath upon him. He, he was fulfilling his charge and all obedience. And oh, how that love shined before all the universe. 
And so the Father loved the Son. I hope when you think of the cross, that you see the Father's great love for the sinner in the cross. I think we often think of the Father as some kind of, He's the distant person of the triune Godhead. He, he's the one that's, that's, ah, He's a little fierce. He's a little angry. He's got that kind of, little bit of that crotchety grandpa syndrome. And we imagine as if it is somehow that the, like a child escaping their bedroom, that the son somehow escaped heaven and he came to earth to die for sinners. But it's not that way at all. The father sends the son. It's the will of the father because the father loves the sinner. And so he sends the Son. I'd understand his love for sinners. Finally, notice also that this was the Son's prerogative. It's true that the Son lays down his life because the Father charged him, but notice that he also does so of his own will. There's no reluctance on the part of the Son either. He willingly endures the cross. As much as this was His Father's will, this is the Son's will. He says in verse 18 about His own life, No one takes it from Me, but I lay it down of My own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. The Son has all authority. He is very God of very God. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. All things are from Him and through Him and to Him. None have been His counselor. And none can be His cajoler or His commander. It is His will as much as it is the Father's will, because there is only one will in the Godhead. The Son lays down His life of His own accord. If He chose at any moment, He, he could have walked away from the cross. He has all authority. And the temptation to do so was great. He Sweat drops of blood thinking what awaited him that night that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. How great the temptation must have been on the cross. As we read there in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 27 when his enemies are standing at the foot of it, the scribes and the elders who mocked him and said, He is the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. Foolishness. If he had come down from the cross, they could have never believed in him. I remember on that day in Nazareth that his family will and neighbors will drive him out of town and they will drive him to that hill and they will be ready to cast him off of that hill. But they could only drive him out of the town because he allowed it. And how do we know that? Because when they get him to the brink of the hill and they are ready to push him over that cliff and they want to see him die, we're told there in the Gospel that he just walked 
through them. They couldn't because he wouldn't allow it. And so it's true here of the Jewish leaders, and so it's true of Judas, and so it's true of the Roman soldiers, and so it's true of Pontius Pilate. They could only drive him to the cross because he allowed it. And he only died upon the cross because in one very real sense he desired it. Remember when he stands before Pontius Pilate, we just read in chapter 19, and Pilate says, do you not know that I have the authority to set you free and the authority to crucify you? Jesus says to him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. John tells us in that same chapter 19 that when Jesus was upon the cross that He cried out in His final words, it is finished. And when He cried out in those final words, it is finished, it is He, He who gave up His Spirit. No man took it from Him. He gave it up. Why? Why was this the Son's will? The answer is the same, the same that we gave for it being the Father's will. It's because of the Son's love for sinners. He loves the sinner. This is the context of these verses in John 10. The Son is the good shepherd. He's not like the hired hand. He says, I'm the good shepherd. He says he cares for his own. There's a love for the sheep. In fact, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. And how does the Father know the Son and how does the Son know the Father? They know one another in love. What marks their relationship between these two persons of the triune Godhead more than anything else? We have to say it's love. And he says in the same way, I know my sheep. How does he know us? He knows the sinner in love. It's love. That drives him to the cross. John Bunyan, just to close, said it this way. A great writer of Pilgrim's Progress. He said this. They railed on him, degraded him, and called him a devil. They said he was mad deceiver, a blasphemer, and a rebel. A disciple sold him, one denied him, and they all forsook him. They beat him with fists, spat on him, mocked him, crowned him with thorns, scourged him, and hung him on a tree. Yet all this could not take his heart off the work of our redemption. To die He came, and die He did for our sins. 
that we might live through him. Oh, what infinite love. For God who loves sinners, and you think of the cross, that has to be the dominant thought that is upon your mind. We have a God who loves sinners. So there is hope for you and there is hope for me on this Good Friday. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory and praise as a lover of sinners. We give you glory and praise and thanksgiving, O Jesus, our Christ, as a lover of sinners. We give you praise, O Spirit, who brings all of this to bear upon our darkened souls. We might know the love of our Father through the Son. Oh, may we rejoice this day in the glory of the cross that a way has been made for sinners such as us. May you be exalted and praised by us. In Christ's name, amen.